with great teachers. And you know, our, every day I hear someone say, or I may say, I've just never th seen things in quite such uh, a terrible state in our society as it is right now. But I want to tell you today that this is not where it ends. When you draw your last breath and you move on with Jesus Christ, the whole thing is going to change. And we need to be preparing for that. We definitely need to live life here for Christ. And we need to fight for our rights. We need to stand up for Jesus. We need to speak out. We should never sacrifice our freedom in the USA. But it's after this life that really matters the most. It's after this life that really lasts forever. And in Revelation chapter 2, it tells a little bit about what we're going to see and face when we get there. What we're going to experience when we get there. We had a funeral this week and everyone did such a great job. Uh, Larry Nichols' cousin Vicki passed away. And, you know, it's a celebration when you know where you're going. And in... Chapter 2 of Revelation, it says in verse 16, Repent, or else I will come unto thee quickly, and I will be against you with the sword of my mouth. Now, I want to clarify something. Uh, Jesus is not standing up there today looking down at lost people and saying, Repent, or I'm going to get you. That's not this message, okay? This was a message actually for the church. This was a message for the church. He was saying, church, you better straighten up or I'm going to come down there and I'm going to close you up. Because I need churches that will preach the truth instead of a fake gospel. Amen. That's what he's saying here. He's not threatening a lost person that doesn't know any better, that's never given their life to Christ yet. He is saying there's going to come a day of judgment on the churches that are teaching a false doctrine. There are several things that are false doctrine today. One is that there's many ways to God. That is a lie. Okay, You cannot believe in Jesus and believe that. Because Jesus said, I am the only way to the Father. And so don't pretend that you believe in Jesus but you also accept all these other religions as just as valid. You're fooling yourself. You're living in a fantasy world. You will not go to heaven that way. There's only one way to go to heaven, and that's following Jesus, the one true and only Savior. According to the Bible, not me, according to the Bible, over and over and over and over, all the way from Genesis to Revelation, there was one Messiah, one anointed King of Kings, one wonderful Counselor, one Prince of Peace. There was only one, and His name is Yeshua, or Jesus. He is the Savior. And so this threat, it sounds like a threat, but it's actually just a consequence. He's saying, church, you need to keep things focused on the cross, repentance, change lives, eternal life. Or you stand in danger of being closed by me. And then he goes on to what I call the good news of this story. And this is what I want to focus on for this message this morning. If you want to make a list, there's four or five things here you can put on your list. You know, when I was a kid, I used to make a, a, a list 
for Christmas, my Christmas list, right? And, and uh, my mother's here, so uh, don't be asking her anything bad about me now. But I might put things on there that I, you know, probably didn't have much chance of getting. But uh, might as well think big, huh? I mean, when you're 15, 16, you might as well put down a brand new sports car on your Christmas list, right? You might as well put down a, a horse, you know, with a brand new saddle or just whatever you want, right? Just whatever you want. Just make a list. And this is how some people treat Christianity today. They think it's just a big old wish list that you get saved and Jesus is on your side and now you're just going to get everything you ever wanted. The Bible never teaches that. In fact, the Bible never even implies that. The Bible says that He'll give you what you need and sometimes He'll give you more than you need. Sometimes you'll prosper in a fantastic way and help build buildings for God and help build orphanages and things. I mean, there's several examples of that in the Bible. But what he actually says applies to everybody. He says, I'll take care of you. I'll give you the desires of your heart. And the Bible says, the desires of your heart, if they're lined up with Jesus, will unlock heaven for you. That's what I'm looking for. Prayer is the key, right? Prayer is the key that unlocks the door to heaven for you and me. And so the treasure that we lay up is after this life. The treasure that we're laying up is after this life. Now, I've thought a lot about lately, you know, with all the economic turmoil, I've thought, what should I do with all my truckloads of cash? Should I put it in a bank? Maybe I should put it in a safety deposit box. Or, well, what if the bank's closed? What if you wake up one morning and the bank's closed? Hmm. Okay, well, what if I just get me a big old huge safe and keep it all at my house? Well, what's the first thing the criminal's going to make me open? You know, and I thought, okay, so I should bury it. I know a guy that had his big safe under his house. I mean, in a secret place under the foundation of his house. He was gone on vacation, true story. They bulldozed his house. Well, what if I, I could make me a hiding spot. Nobody else would know about it. And then... What if I died and then nobody knew it was there? I mean, there's, there's no way, is there? There's no way to secure houses and land. Houses can burn. Lands can be taken. Cars break down. <laughs> or get wrecked. I mean, there is nothing you can do. You can have the greatest security and still someone can sneak in. The only way to secure my truckloads of cash, which I don't really have, but I'm just, you know, putting it on my list. The only way I can secure that is if I invest it in something that lasts forever. The only thing I know of that lasts forever is the soul of a man or a woman who loves and follows Jesus Christ.
And so I love this story that we're about to read because Jesus is telling it to his best friend, John. And I know he's telling John exactly how it is. He says, John, you've been persecuted. You've been beaten. You've been put in jail. You've been thrown in a vat of boiling oil. You've been exiled on an island that only prisoners are placed on. You have been mistreated as the worst of the worst. And all you ever did was preach the good news that anyone could accept Christ. And they mistreated you that way. It's not much different right now. You tell the truth on Twitter. You tell the truth on Facebook. Blocked. I mean, I was teaching Sunday school class the other day on my little live feed with all my millions of followers in my head imagining that. It's on my list. And what did they do? Popped up a screen and said, your comments do not meet our community standards. I didn't say anything except the Word of God. The Word of God does not meet our culture's community standards. So we got to decide if we're going to follow social or are we going to follow scriptural. You've got to make up your mind because it's the only thing that lasts forever. When the Lord, all the Lord, the Lord doesn't even have to come back. He just has to speak the word and all this nonsense crashes. And the only thing that will last is what's written in your heart. I used to think about, I've heard preachers say a lot, what if the Bible was taken away from you? How much of it would you have memorized that you could live and really quote and keep going in your mind and heart? And I'm not that good at it. I can quote, Jesus wept. We have a sculpture at a sculptor at the Passion Play, and he tells that story every night before the play. And here's what he says. He says, when I was a kid, I thought it was a good prank for my teacher to just quote Jesus wept and say I had memorized a verse. But he said, the Lord took that, and he said, now in my adult life, I am called by God to be a grief counselor. And I'm trying to say there's only one thing that will last forever. But you've got to choose it in this life. After this life, there's no more choice. If you die without Christ ruling and reigning in your heart, then you'll wake up and he'll say, Depart from me, I never knew you. But if you do know the Lord and you have him in your life, then you'll get what it talks about in chapter set, verse 17. He that has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. So he's calling, pleading with us to listen. He's saying, this is a message for you. Please, please listen. And here's what it is. To everyone that overcomes... Now, if we get saved and we're filled with the Spirit of God and we're living for Jesus, we have overcome. If you have given your heart to the one true living God, you have conquered everything in your, in your future. 
There'll be some pitfalls, but you'll win the war. And he will give you these things. Here's the list. And this is no wish list. This is no Christmas list. This is a list of promises that you can count on. Can anyone think of one thing that Jesus promised that he did not deliver? He's kept them all. And he said, if you will give your life to me, if you will overcome, I will give you to eat of the hidden manna. I will give you a white stone. I will give you a new name that which no man knows except he that receives it. So he is going to give you a lot more than that, but those three things make up our promise list this morning. He said, I'm going to give you of the hidden manna. You know, when the children of Israel, by the way, there were millions of them. There was uh, more people traveling through the wilderness than live in all the Oklahoma City metro today. And when they were traveling through, you can imagine there wasn't that much to eat. I mean, they couldn't just live off the land. That, there's not that many rabbits. There's not that many anything. So they didn't have food. They only carried a few days, probably maybe a few weeks. They, they moved from place to place for 40 years. And when they would go to a place that God wanted them to stop, this was no small place. God literally would open up a stream out of a rock and fill a valley and make a lake where they could drink. And they would set up their tents all around it. And in their camp, they would set up the tabernacle of Moses to worship God. And then the Lord would literally rain out of the sky during the night little pieces of edible manna. It was some type of a bread that fulfilled their nutritional needs. And I'm not sure what it was like. It's never happened since that I know of. But the manna would rain down at night and they would get up in the morning and they would get their baskets and they would go out and pick it up. And they would have a basket full of manna. It was hidden manna because it came out of the sky like it came out of nowhere. All right? It also is hidden because it's a mystery to us what the real uh, substance was or how, where it came from. We know it came from God. He just did it for his children. Guys, I want to stand here and tell you that the greatest blessings, opportunities, the greatest things that I've ever had happen to me in my life were totally unexpected. They were hidden to me, but they were given by God. Don't say, oh, I have no future or I can't make this work. Don't ever say that. Say, God will make it work if it's what he wants me to do. I am willing. So the manna, they picked it up every day, and they were only allowed to pick up as much as they could eat in one day because it would spoil overnight. So they literally depended on God for their daily bread. Have you heard the... the prayer give us this day our daily bread that's where that comes from it comes from the time when they literally had to rely on God every single day you know we're living in a time that's so different you know we've got careers 
We've got, sometimes we've got tenure. Sometimes we've got uh, job security. Uh, if we lose our job, we got unemployment checks uh, that come in. Even now the federal government is talking about making that permanent. Uh, we've got all kinds of crazy things going on. But i got to tell you, I can't even walk without him holding my hand. I can't even breathe without him giving me the breath of life. And I cannot work or even go draw a check except the Lord has given me another day. Give us this day our daily bread. And so hidden manna, you're going to have that heavenly food and you're going to eat it forever. And you know that sounds boring, but I can kind of picture I can kind of picture manna being bread kind of maybe on some fried fish. Or maybe some fried chicken. Maybe you can smash it together and make a really good hamburger. I don't know. I know one thing. I am ready to find out. I want to live life as long as God wants me here, but I just can't hardly wait to see heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. What else? Number two. I'm going to give you a new name. He says, I'm going to give you a new name which no man knows. Did you know Jesus has a name that no man knows? The Bible says in Revelation that when he comes back, written across his chest like a banner, will be his real, true, heavenly name which no man knows. On earth, he was born as a child, named after Joshua. Joshua was the young man that Moses raised up and God ordained to lead the children of Israel. And Jesus was named after him, fulfilling a prophecy, fulfilling a prophecy in the Old Testament that said, I will raise up another like him to lead the people all the way for eternity Jesus was given that name, Yahshua, or Yeshua, or in English we say Jesus, in Latin they say Jesus, but it's all the same word. And let me tell you, that's not his real name. When we get to heaven, or when he comes back, if we're already there, we get to find out, but if he comes back and we're here, we're going to get to see it across his, face, his chest, and when he... Just like he has a name that's going to last forever, he's going to give you a name that'll last forever. And it's only your name and nobody else. It's your true identity. It's your true identity. So what is the devil working on harder than anything right now? Identities. He's trying to destroy that concept in our minds. You see, when you know Jesus... You can say, I have an eternal identity that's going to last when I pass from this life to the next. It's going to be my eternal identity. I am not given an identity by my teachers or by my parents 
or by my college professors. I'm not given an identity by my doctor. I am given an identity that will last forever, just like my soul, by Jesus Christ. And then last he says, I'm going to give you a white stone. I've heard so many different stories about what the meaning of the white stone is. And I'll tell you two of them. Because the Bible really doesn't reveal that one too much. They say, have you ever heard the term uh, blackballed? Where it means like you're shunned by your profession and you're not let back in the circle? Well, I suppose that they, everybody else that stayed in the circle had a white stone and the one that had the black one that was given the black one got kicked out. So a white stone means you're in. Another thing I've heard is they say that they used to sell these white stones as admission tickets to events. And that still has the same meaning, doesn't it? It means when you get to the gate, you've got a white stone, you're in. So I don't know the exact origin of the term or the concept, but I know that it means you're in heaven. I'm going to give you a white stone. Nobody's going to blackball you. I'm telling you once you're saved and truly saved and your life is changed and you're a child of God, the devil cannot blackball you. Human beings cannot blackball you. Nobody can kick you out of the family of God and Jesus won't because he loves you and you are in his family. When you get to heaven, you're going to have that white stone. And I think whatever kind of structure we're going to live in, we're going to have trophies. And we're going to have crowns. We're going to have a robe of white. We're going to have these things I just talked about. We're going to have that white stone. And it's going to say, you are in the family of God. You don't have to worry. You don't have to fear. You don't have to fear that disease in this life because it leads to a better life. You don't have to fear persecution because if they kill you, you wake up up in heaven and everything is going to be fine. I'm telling you, nobody on earth has a peace like Jesus' family. And it gets me through the day. You know, it's not about how you were born. It's about being born again. Letting Him transform your future, your heart, and your desires. Yes, He'll give you the desires of your heart. Wouldn't you love it if the desires of your heart totally matched His desires for your life? We have the victory in Jesus' name. We are born again, blood-bought, radically saved. We're on fire for Jesus. We're not trying to fit in with the world we don't even want to. We want to stand out and be different. We want to be an example. We, we might not be able to live up to it all the time, but He already knew that when He called you into His family. He knows every single thing that you're going to do in the future, and He still wants you in His family.
Would you give your life to Jesus Christ today and really, really mean it with all your heart? You'll never regret it. If you're a Christian, and you know what, would you be willing to say, I'm going to stand for Jesus stronger than I ever have in these troubled times? Let's pray.